0: Well, uh, welcome everyone to uh, Blackhawk Church. My name is Matt. I'm one of the pastors on staff. I am the pastor of Blackhawk Downtown and uh, part of the teaching team. And uh, welcome to everybody who is joining us right now, to all of you at Blackhawk downtown, welcome to everyone at Fitchburg at Savannah Oaks. Welcome to those of you in the gallery. Welcome to our traditions venue. Welcome to everyone in our Chinese venue. Welcome to everybody who is joining us online right now. And of course, all of you beautiful people in the room with me. So we um, are in the end of October right now. And I think one of the things that we realize that if if we look at all at the extended forecast is there is a decent chance that our 70 degree days are done for 2019. So, which is always a little bit painful for me, Uh, because one of my favorite things to do in a year is to get on the lake. And uh, I mean, from the time of early summer for as long as we possibly can that wetsuits provide, um, We, uh, me and a few friends like to go out and wake surf quite a bit on Lake Mendota. Any other lake people here in the room, like you just like to get out on the lake? Anybody, all sites, all venues, is an all skate deal right now, awesome, yeah. So I have another question for those of you who are lake people, or maybe even not lake people. Have you ever been on um, a lake or a body of water as a, like a big storm has been coming towards you. Ever had that experience in your life, show of hands? Yeah, decent, decent amount of people. So normally this happens to me and my buddies at least once during the summer. It, um, and, uh, and it happened to us, in fact, uh, this past summer, we just had this massive storm that was, that was coming in. Um, and, uh, and so I even, I decided to snap a picture of it. I put it up on my Instagram, but uh, there it is right now, there. And uh, of just this incredible storm that was making its way in. Now, the thing that we have going for us, that all of us do whenever you're in a situation like that, is most likely you've got your phone, and so you can kind of watch, like, okay, we were out on the water, probably not the smartest thing in the world, you know, in light of the fact that we had had multiple warnings on our phones, you know, and all of that stuff going towards us, And uh, but we were in, a, a, you know, a ski boat. So you can get, you know, to shore really, really quickly when you go 40 miles an hour and, uh, and then get the boat out of the water fast. So we were fine, but we... We're going to look today at a story where where Jesus and his disciples were on the water and they weren't quite so lucky as a storm bared down on them. So if you want to, you could turn in your Bibles right now to Mark chapter four. Mark chapter four is where we are headed. If, If you're new around here, we are in the middle of the series that we are doing called An Unexpected Kingdom, where we are taking a look at um, the book of Mark for a long time, and we're slowly and methodically going through this book. And last week, Chris took us up through a chunk of chapter four, and he looked at a bunch of different teachings of Jesus, a bunch of different parables that he had told, these different stories that he told, most of them as he was on the Sea of Galilee teaching. And now Jesus is getting into a boat and heading across the Sea of Galilee. And that's where we are going to pick things up in Mark chapter four, I believe starting with verse 35. Yeah, verse 35. So let's go ahead and and go there with me. And I'll start reading. That day when evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him and a furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Okay, now let's get a picture of what's going on. There, the disciples and Jesus are on the Sea of Galilee right now. Now that picture that I just took, <clears throat> excuse me, was on Lake Mendota. Um, sea of Galilee is about four times the size of lake Mendota. This is a good size lake. And these guys most likely were in a boat that was, it was a fishing boat that was probably, I don't know, 25 feet long by about seven feet wide by about four feet deep. Open bow, You know, I mean, lots of room to be able to walk around probably had a mast in the middle for a sail. But as a squall would come up, obviously they would take that down and they had oars that they would just be rowing this boat as they were moving across. And something to know about the Sea of Galilee, Sea of Galilee has mountains on one side of it, which caused there to be really interesting weather patterns that would hit this particular area. Storms would move through this area and the winds of those storms would hit these mountains and they would bear down on the Sea of Galilee like a funnel. And so the water and the weather could get really crazy, really, really fast. And that's what's happening. That's the picture that we're getting in this situation. It's not just a storm. This is a massive storm that's bearing down on them. And where is Jesus in the middle of this? Let's go back to the story. Jesus was in the stern, the back of the boat, sleeping on a cushion, our Lord and Savior. So the disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and they asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Okay, this is a crazy story. We can so easily, for a lot of us who grew up in church, kind of vacation Bible school, a story like this, and just sort of move on without thinking of the immensity of what has just taken place in a moment like this and what it would have been like to have been there in that moment. These disciples are on this boat. Winds kick up. Storm is hitting them. They're paddling as best they can across this lake, and the waves start to crash over the sides of this boat, and Jesus is just sleeping He's most likely exhausted from the day of ministry, everything that he's been doing. And so he's sleeping in the back of the boat while these guys are fighting for their lives. And water starts to come into the boat, and they're trying to bail, and they can't bail fast enough. You ever been in a boat where you couldn't bail fast enough? I mean, sure, like I've been in like canoes at camp you know, but I mean like in a situation where you thought we could be going down, this could get really bad. See, I'm guessing majority of us have never had that experience. However, I'm guessing that in life, we all know the feeling of what it's like to be trying to bail and we just can't seem to get the water out fast enough. We all know what it's like, doesn't matter age, stage of life, wherever you're at, it We all know the feeling of what it's like in life to feel like we're drowning. Now, (laughs) here's the thing. Where we're going for a few minutes is not where I think that Mark was planning on going for us in this particular passage. We all know what it's like to be drowning. We all know what it's like to be bailing water out and to have difficulties in life. I mean, like it could be, you know, at work where you've got projects and all sorts of stuff coming at you in email, and then another project is put on top of you that's supposed to be done by a deadline. There's no way you're going to be able to get it done, and you're looking at it going, how am I going to pull all this off? Or it could be financial situations in your life where you're looking at your accounts, and you see more money going out of your accounts than into your accounts, and you're wondering how you're going to make it. It could be medical issues that you're dealing with in life. It could be sickness or it could be injuries that you dealt with. Like if you're an athlete or when some type of accident or something and every time that you go to the doctor hoping for good news on there's improvement, it's actually bad news and things are getting worse. It could be situations with friends or family where you're trying to work through issues and every time you think there's going to be a breakthrough, there's another situation that bears down on you. You could be in school right now. You could be a student and when you look at like the projects and papers and midterms and all of the things coming at you and you're looking at it all going, how am I going to get all of this done? You see, I mean, like you could be parenting, dealing with your kids and all everybody's schedules. You're trying to put the Tetris pieces together of trying to get everything done and make sure everybody gets to where they need to and all meals are made and you're going, I have no idea how I'm going to get this done. You could be a single parent. If you're a single parent, man, God bless you because I have no idea how in the world it is that you do everything between juggling work and kids and finances and all of these things that we're talking about and doing that by yourself. And for all of us in these situations, we can easily get to this place where we feel like we've got about this much of our head above water. And we're just trying to get a breath. And in those moments, like the disciples, we can easily cry out to God and go, God, don't you even care that I drowned? See, I think that for all of us, we can, we can relate to those kind of situations of life. We're bailing as fast as we can. And we just can't seem to catch up. You see, I... I think it's worth it for us to stop and look at this. And I think that Mark actually is headed a different direction with this passage of scripture. I don't think that he's trying to answer the question for our crowd today, where is Jesus when we're trying to bail water out of our lives? But I think that for the sake of the amount of us who can relate to a situation like that, it's worth it for us to stop and pause and to ask that question and to see how did Jesus handle the situation with his disciples? And that we might be able to learn from it. And one of the things that we see that we can like easily miss, Jesus was with his disciples and a storm hit. You ever stop to think about that? Because see, I think that sometimes, I think that for some of us as Christians, we get this idea that like once we become a Christian, once we accept Jesus, that the storms are all going to go away. You know, like everything is just going to work out because now I got Jesus on my side, me and my buddy, Jesus, Jesus, my homeboy, you know, like, and everything is just going to work out just fine. And, uh, and then storms hit. You know, I, I, I think the thing that, that the disciples realized is that, like, being with Jesus doesn't mean that storms won't come. And when storms come in our lives, it doesn't mean that Jesus isn't with us. You see, I think the thing that Jesus wanted his disciples to understand was that in the midst of the storm that like he's God and he's good and he loves them and and he was with them, therefore he was trustworthy in the midst of that situation. Jesus stands up and he calms the storm. But you know what? I don't think that he calmed the storm Because the disciples, if he didn't, they were gonna die in this situation. I think that actually everything was just fine. I think that Jesus calmed the storm to once again show the disciples that he was truly God. I mean, like, think about it, do, do you, look at the passage and see what it is that Jesus said to his disciples in that moment. Do you realize, like, he didn't say, you know, when the disciples said to him, Lord, here's what's going on, don't you even care? He gets up, he rebukes the wind and the waves, and then he turns to his disciples. Do you, it's like, do you notice he doesn't say, phew, good thing you guys woke me up. <laughs> That was a close one. I was so out, I had no idea what was going on. If you hadn't woken me up, we would have been toast, you know? No. He looks up and he goes, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? In other words, saying to them, like, do you remember the things that we've already experienced together? Do you remember the people who were sick? We, like, I got to heal? Do you remember the people who had demons that were able to free from that? Do you remember the miracles that you've seen? Like, don't you realize who I am and I'm with you? But me being with you doesn't mean that every storm's gonna go away. It, because isn't it true that we learn a lot in the midst of the storms of our lives? For any of us as parents, isn't it true that the most loving thing that we can do at times is to allow our children to go through the storms of life. Now I am um, I can remember one storm that my parents allowed me to go through when I was growing up where I felt like I was drowning. It was a little thing called swim lessons. So when I say drowning, I literally meant drowning. So anybody else, All Sites, All Venues, remember swim lessons? Anybody have slightly negative memories of swim lessons growing up? Thank you very much to all of you. Support groups with care ministry right afterwards. So uh, man, I, okay, so (laughs) we took our daughters through swim lessons here in Madison and and we took them to a pool, we were in a class and I remember they had us get in the pool with our, our girls and, uh, and as we did that, it almost turned into like a makeshift little toddler party in the pool. Like we, we were dancing and then like walking in a circle and singing songs and trying to get our daughters to like blow bubbles in the pool. And then class was over. And I was like, really? Like, so now they know how to swim, you know? And uh, because this is the thing, in Florida, When everyone, including when you and everyone you know house a backyard swimming pool, yeah, they take swim lessons really seriously in those areas of the country. And so my parents, like as soon as me and my sisters, we learned to walk, they were getting us swim lessons. And they went to a woman who um, was highly recommended to them, a woman named Miss Natalie. Miss Natalie was a swim teacher of all swim teachers. And uh, my parents, they still swear that um, Miss Natalie was just a lovely woman. In my mind, remembering her, she was the devil. And, and, uh, and she would basically take me in the pool and, uh, and like she taught me a few things on how to kick and put my face down. And then she just sort of tossed me into the middle of the pool and I had to like kick and fight. I had no idea what I was doing. I'm trying to get breath, and I finally would make it to the side where I would grasp onto the side of the pool. And I'm sitting there like choking and gasping for air and crying. And I look at my parents and my parents, they're sitting in chairs on the side of the pool at this point. And they're sitting there going, Matt, way to go, buddy. You're doing so good, man. Just keep it up. We're so proud of you. You got this. And I'm looking at them as I'm trying to catch my breath and I'm crying. I'm looking at them as if to say, how dare you? How in the world do you, re- do you see what I am going through in this moment? Like, don't you realize that I'm drowning and you're allowing this to happen? Ms. Natalie would grab me, toss me back in the middle and it would just sort of continue. But here's the thing. What was the most loving thing for my parents to do? was to allow me to go through the storm of everything that I was going through, that I would develop muscles, learn new skills, go through the pain of the storm. You see, what my parents, what they wanted me to know in that moment was that they were with me. They're good, and they love me. Man, they weren't going to let me drown, and they were with me allowing me to go through that storm. Look, I have no idea what it is that you are going through in your life, in this room and all the other people watching this. No idea what it is that you're going through. But I know that there are people here who are going through storms. And I could not tell you at all why it is that you're going through the storms that it is that you're going through. But I can tell you this. We have a God who loves us so deeply. And he promises that he is with us in the middle of the storms that we go through. Guarantee. Now, there are pastors who have like spent entire series just looking at this passage of scripture for the sake of time, I wanna continue to move on because I think there are, when we look at this passage in light of what's coming next, man, it's just amazing what's just taken place in the storm that I really wanna help come to life for all of us. So in light of that, I wanna keep moving and get into chapter five. So turn to chapter five with me. Chapter five says this, they went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. Okay, now the region of the Gerasenes really means nothing to us. The region of the Gerasenes was an area um, on the side of the Sea of Galilee that they were sailing to. And uh, it was one city in an area, um, a region called the Decapolis, just off of the Sea of Galilee, 10 different cities that were over in this area. And that really doesn't mean much to us, but to an early audience, this would have meant something. Because all of these cities were Roman. Jewish group of men going to a Roman city. These people were Gentile. And if you know anything about scripture, well, Jews and Gentiles, they did not get along with each other. They did not see eye to eye. The disciples realized they're going to a Gentile area. You see, and all of a sudden, we begin to realize that this story of the storm that we have looked at it parallels another story that took place in the Old Testament of a man who was on a boat in the middle of a storm. You see, we, we have to go back to uh, Sunday school in order to remember this book in the Old Testament, a short little Old Testament book called Jonah. Jonah uh, is one that we remember back from that time, Jonah and the whale. And it's a little four chapter book in the Old Testament that really is just fascinating. And uh, if you've never had a chance to read it, I highly recommend it. Years ago, Tim Mackey did a four-week series on this book that you can find on our website that's totally worth going to and taking a look at. But uh, Jonah was a Jewish prophet who was sent by God to the people of a city called Nineveh, another Gentile city of people who were like really corrupt and violent. But the thing is, is that Jonah didn't want to go. You see, he had had basically written these people off. He saw them as too far gone for God's love. And so instead of going to them, he runs the other way. He goes away from them, gets on a boat, and sails the other direction. And this is where the parallels start to happen within these two stories. It's really amazing. I mean, think about it. Jesus and Jonah were both on a boat. Both of them ended up on boats that, that had furious, massive storms that hit them. If you look at Jonah in the book of Mark, like the wording almost is like parallel. It, it takes place within these storms. Jonah and Jesus both were asleep in the boat. They, they were both wakened by people who were working on those boats who would have been used to being on water and were completely fearful for their lives. Both of them had miraculous accounts that took place that caused the storms to go completely calm. And at the end of each story, both groups of people on the boat were now more afraid of the miraculous thing that had just taken place, even more so than losing their lives in the storm. These two stories, they're parallel. And the thing is, the disciples, I'm guessing in this moment, they begin to realize Jesus has just taken them through a reenactment of Jonah. Now, there was no whale which I'm sure they were greatly thankful for, that they didn't have to go through that. But a reenactment of everything had taken place, but with one massive difference in these two stories, where Jonah, rather than doing what God called him to do, is running from the Gentile people because he had written them off and said they were too far gone. Jesus now is going to the Gentile people. Because Jesus, as God, was showing that he is for all people, all cultures, all nations. There is no one outside the grasp of Jesus. He came to give his life for all people. Somebody should be saying amen at this point. We serve a God who loves people so deeply he was willing to send his son into this situation, his son with the power to stop the storm and recreate this Jonah account to say, I'm doing what Jonah was supposed to do, I'm doing what Jonah was called to do, Jonah didn't, so now I'm going because I'm about all people. And so he goes to the Gentile people of the region of the Gerasenes, and the first person that he comes in contact with, man, It's just unbelievable. Let's go to the story and read. They went across to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough enough to subdue him. Night and day, Among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of them. He shouted at the top of his voice, what do you want from me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, come out of this man, you impure spirit. Okay more impure spirits. It feels like every other week in this series we're dealing with evil spirits. But here's the thing that we see in this story. By the way, if you've missed some of the pieces of impure spirits, back on September 29th, Charles did a deep dive into this whole area of evil spirits, demon possession, everything that way. You should go and listen to that message. But here we have this guy who comes running out to Jesus. And to an early audience, this guy would have been too far gone. Like, completely written off. I mean, here he is, he's a Gentile. He's living among the tombs. To Jewish people back then, they could have nothing to do with dead bodies. And yet this man is living amongst the tombs. He's, he, we're gonna see in just a moment, he's living amongst herds of pigs. Jewish people could have nothing to do with pigs, any of these things, dead bodies, pigs, it would make them impure. And on top of that, by the way, he, uh, he's demon-possessed. Like if there was anyone that was too far gone, that the the Jewish people listening to this story, that the disciples coming with Jesus would have written off, it would have been this guy. I mean, even the Gentile people had written this guy off. We get that picture from them trying to control him and finally they just send him, he goes and lives in the tomb and they don't have anything to do with him any longer. This guy was about as far gone as you could be and yet Jesus moves towards him. Let's go back to the story. Then Jesus asked him, what is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. It's interesting. This word Legion means something. So I used to think when I read this and I heard for we are many, I would think, yeah, this is, you know, um, most likely this guy has 10 or 20 demons inside of him. Legion was a term used in the Roman Empire for a company of soldiers ranging between like two and 6,000. This guy was inhabited by thousands of demons, which becomes more clear even as we get farther into the story. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. He gave them permission, and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. A herd that was about two thousand in number. All of a sudden, that becomes clear. Two thousand in number rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and the countryside. And the people went out to see what happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed, and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Those who had been those who had seen it told the people what had happened and the demon-possessed men told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. Jesus had just completely freaked them out. He had taken what was uncontrollable and made it controllable. He's done this twice now. In a storm that was uncontrollable where people were going to lose their lives and completely calm. And it made the disciples fear him to a great level. Now in the midst of this situation, uncontrollable man inhabited by thousands of demons and he's just taken it and given this man a new life. You see, it caused people to fear. And the thing is, when we see the power of Jesus as God, it should cause us to fear. When we understand who it is that we're dealing with, but there's something greater even that takes place in this story. Something that should be incredibly encouraging to us. When we look at this man who Jesus saved, it should cause us to realize that there is no one who is too far gone from the freeing power of Jesus, no one. There is not a person you come into contact with, and the reason why I think that's worth it for us to look at is because I think that for any of us who are Christ followers, who we've been a part of the church, there are people who we think of in our lives that we think, no way are they ever gonna be saved. No way are they ever coming to know Jesus. They're just too far gone. The decisions they make, the lifestyle they had, the decisions that, the the way they spend their time, the way that they act, they like no chance that's ever going to happen. Well, (laughs) according to a story like this, there is no one who is too far gone. There is not a neighbor that you have. There is not a family member in your family. There's not a coworker that you work with. There is not a roommate or classmate that you spend time with. There is not a person you come into contact with who is too far gone from the freeing power of Jesus. Oh, and by the way, that includes you. Because guarantee there are people in the room right now who as I list off that list, the person that you're thinking of that you think is too far gone is you. Because of the decisions you've made, the way that you lived your lives, and you look back at the t- things that you've done and you go, no way God would ever want anything to do with me. Well, if you were in that place, i give you the demon-possessed Gentile man living amongst the tombs in the city of the Gerasenes. Because if God can save a person like that because he longed to, then my guess is he longs to free you as well. And if you're interested in having more conversation about that, I would love to talk with you. Any of our site pastors here would absolutely love to talk to you of any of our sites and venues. It's an amazing story of the freeing power that Jesus brought to this world. But the story doesn't just end there, it continues. And we're gonna land here together. Go to verse 18. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis, all of these different cities, how much Jesus had done for him and all the people were amazed. You see, I love love that Jesus doesn't just end the story with us hearing about this person being freed. I'd love that he didn't just end the story with us hearing about what he had received. But Mark made sure that in this story, we don't just see him receiving, but we see him now something taking place in his life where he is going to share what it is that he received. He goes from being a demon-possessed Gentile man to the very first evangelist in the book of Mark. That's amazing. But that, that, it, it points towards the desire that God has for all of us who have ever come to the place of accepting Jesus as our Savior. He longs for us to be people who don't just receive the saving power of Jesus Christ, that we become receivers of that, but that we would become messengers of God's saving power that we have received ourselves. That's what he calls us to. And the thing is, though, is that, like we all know this. Like, I'm not saying anything that you're like, huh, I've never heard that before. But I think that we just so easily forget about it. Like, I I think that we become people who who we focus so much on how we're living and what we're doing, what we're trying to stop doing, because we've been receivers, and we forget the idea of what God calls us to is to be receivers who become messengers of what it is that we've received. So let me ask you a couple questions. Have you ever had a chance to share your faith with anybody? If so, when's the last time? Do you know anyone in in your life who who doesn't know Jesus, you would would love to see that person come to a place of accepting Jesus as their Savior? Look, I I wonder, like, when, when you spend time praying, is there anyone on the list of people who you pray for that you're praying for because they don't know Jesus? Because I know for me, it can be really easy to, to, to have a list of people who I'm praying for who are sick people, and I forget about the element of praying for those who don't know Christ. You see, what, w- what would happen if a, if a church like Black Hawk, if a community like ours got this and just began to simply pray for people who don't know Jesus and pray that God would give us opportunities to be able to share our faith and step into those moments, to simply share the story of what we've seen take place with the disciples through this entire journey that we've been on, that God, that Jesus, he's God, that he's good, that he loves us, that he's with us and he can be trusted, that he is for all people and there is no one too far gone. What if we were just simply to be people who sold out to the idea of letting everyone who we come in contact with know that story, just by what we've experienced. You see, my my guess is we would see people who we thought were too far gone come to the place of accepting Jesus the same way that we did, that lives would be changed and eternity would be different because of the way he uses us. My challenge to us as a church is we'd be that type of place, that we would simply just be willing to share the story of what we've experienced with Jesus ourselves. Let me pray for us. God, thank you so much for the gift of your son, Jesus. We, probably, we, we don't say that enough. We thank you so much for his saving, freeing power that transforms our lives. God, I pray for, for people here in the room who feel like they are too far gone, would you meet them in this place and help them to see, like, we, we can't outsin your grace and you long to be one who changes us, transforms us, saves us. I pray for people in the room, Father, who feel like they're going under, they can't bail fast enough, that you would meet them in that place. Help them to see that you are good, that you do love them and that you are with them. And then would you give us, Father, opportunities to share these stories with other people that all people would come to a place of knowing who you are as God, bowing their knee before you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. All God's people together said, amen. Amen.